y'all. Welcome to Defining Endurance. This is Coach Lexi Miller, today's host. June is Pride Month, a time where we can celebrate and honor the LGBTQ community. For this episode, we speak with Addie Bracey, a professional runner who's been on our show before. She is the co-founder of the organization OutRun, a community group that not only works to connect LGBTQ runners with a running group in their area, but also works at a higher level to advocate for inclusion in races. So recently in life, I have been working on acknowledging my privilege. I don't know what it's like to not be able to find a t-shirt that fits me right because I don't identify as male or female. I don't know what it's like to not feel hated because of who I am and how I identify or to feel unsafe in the racing environment. In this episode, Addie helps us understand the obstacles that many LGBTQ community members face in the running community and how we as runners can be more inclusive and understanding. Welcome to Defining Endurance, a podcast focused on providing actionable insights for endurance athletes. Whether you're an athlete just getting started in endurance sports or a veteran looking to gain an edge, the Defining Endurance podcast is here to ask curious questions with athletes and fitness professionals, and most importantly, dive deep on current training topics so you can become the best version of yourself. Let us wait no longer. Let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Defining Endurance. Uh, We are super fortunate to be joined again by Miss Addie Bracey. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about her organization, OutRun, and what it brings to the running community. Um, Addie, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. So we've had you on the show before. Um, You know, we've talked a little bit about your running background, but you've had some pretty exciting things happen since the last time we talked. Uh, Sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? You mean like athletically or... Of the, the rem rim, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's the only thing I've done really yeah. recently with uh, races kind of just now starting to to come back. But um, yeah, so I'm running Western States uh, in about a month and found myself a few weeks ago just like kind of craving a hard effort, but was having a hard time getting, uh, I guess, inspired enough to push myself really hard, you know, on these trails that I do every day uh, here in, in Denver and Golden and uh, Boulder. So um, I had been out to the Rim to Rim to Rim Trail in, I think, maybe November and took a crack at the supported FKT and missed it by about 10 minutes. Um, And then kind of noticed that the unsupported FKT seemed like pretty in reach. I think Katie Arnold had it previously. It was uh, 9.15. So thought, you know, that that sounds really fun to go out and do as a hard training run, um, maybe in place of a race uh, leading up to Western States. So um, Corey Connor, who... Uh, actually co-founded OutRun with me as well. She, she couldn't be here today, but um, make sure I state that, that, that I'm only the co-founder. But uh, yeah, asked her if she wanted to do it too. And she was down for it and was going to be the longest run that uh, she's ever done. So we were a little nervous about how it was going to go. Um, I only had a small window of time with family weddings and work. And so we just booked a flight like less than a week before and went out and uh, noticed that the day that we were going to do it was going to be like 95 degrees and the hottest day that whole entire week. So, um, we decided to start at two 30 in the morning and yeah, long story short, the day went really well. Um, we ended up running just over eight hours, uh, eight Oh six and lowered the previous record by yeah, well over an hour and probably could have gone a little faster. We had a couple hiccups with mule trains and that kind of thing, but yeah, was super happy with how the day went and it was really fun to do. Uh, it is a joint effort like that. I've never done that before. It was really cool. 
That is so incredible. Uh, the Grand Canyon is one of my favorite places on earth. So my question just about that before we dive into to you know more of what we were going to talk about today, um, what was what was probably the most like inspiring thing you saw? Like because that canyon is amazing. I feel like everyone has a moment where they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, you stop looking at your feet. Probably and look the up. sunrise. So what was that for uh, you? When I did it in the fall, we did start kind of at dawn. So I I was it was kind of kind of dark, but only for maybe the first twenty minutes or so. But uh, we were in the dark until well past Cottonwood, uh, so campground. So we were kind of coming out the North Rim at sunrise. And that whole, that's like, in my opinion, one of the prettiest areas over there anyway, with kind of the waterfall. And uh, it was just, it's always so cool uh, to see a sunrise out on the trail, especially when you've already been out there for, for a few hours. So it was really cool to share that with Corey because she'd never been in there. And so to not even see it until three hours into the run and then kind of have it illuminated and be like, oh, wow, this thing's big uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, the sunrises in the Grand Canyon are amazing, I think. And then especially if you're like pushing and tired, just like any ultra that mm-hmm. that sunrise gives you that boost. So that's so awesome. Thanks for indulging me with my Grand Canyon talk. I love hearing of about course. people's experiences in there. Um, so yeah, today we're here to talk about your organization, Outrun. Do you want to tell us a little yeah, bit about what so, it is? Um, we, Corey and I co-founded Outrun. It's probably coming up on two years ago. Um, and I think initially... Uh, we, we were together at the time, still really good friends right now. Um, and we just kind of wanted community and noticed that uh, there wasn't a ton of visibility and, and maybe representation uh, in the ultra running community and actually just more broadly, the running community um, of kind of queer runners. And so I think at first we just wanted to kind of blend our two passions and wanted to meet other people in the Denver Boulder area. And so it started as maybe the intention of just to have a social group to meet up every once in a while and to meet people. Um, but, you know, we're lucky to have a small, but still a platform. And so people uh, elsewhere in the country kind of caught on to it and wanted to start similar um, communities in their area. And so, yeah, it, it continued to kind of grow still more in terms of the connection and community side with, um, we have kind of group leaders and chapters, I guess, for lack of a better word throughout the country. Um, it's all kind of progressed organically because again, it started more socially, but then we started to recognize that there's actually some work that still needs to be done uh, to make the running space more uh, inclusive um, for certain members of our community. And so more recently we've actually transitioned to focusing, especially with uh, the pandemic and not being able to meet up for group runs anyway, we've kind of focused our efforts on uh, more the advocacy side we just are kind of in the middle of a big project right now that I'm happy to talk about, but, um, to really push for some honestly kind of small minor, maybe not small, maybe easy changes for race directors and events to incorporate, uh, that could make a a massive difference for how, um, like actively welcomed and invited, you know, some of our LGBTQ plus family, you know, feels coming to races. That is so incredible. And I really want to hear about those goals. So we'll, we'll definitely go back to that in a moment. But, you know, I want to also know what is your experience with community development and like kind of jumping into that advocacy? No. Have you done that before? <laughs> it's, a, it's a role that we kind of fell into. And again, I think, you know, we it's not a big platform, but we did have a little bit of a platform and kind of recognized that we had an opportunity to do something. And, and me being an older runner, I think, uh, it seemed like a really cool way to spend my last, you know, however many years in the sport to kind of help uh, push some changes that need to happen 
Um, so no experience whatsoever. We're flying blind a lot of the time, but um, are lucky to have a really amazing uh, leadership team of people that help us. Um, and we're figuring it out as we go. And, you know, I think we're doing an okay job so far. Was there a certain event or something that kind of brought you and Corey to creating OutRun? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I guess, honestly, it was kind of our personal story. Um, we, we met maybe 2014. We both made a, a U.S. team to go race at a cross-country race in Scotland. And we like hit it off, um, but you know neither of us were out at the time, and so neither of us recognized what was happening, or at least were afraid to say something. And so uh, it wasn't; it was just by chance that we reconnected almost four years later, and um, ended up you know dating for a really long time, and are super um, close friends now. And so I think we just kind of recognized, like, wow, like what if we had felt. S- uh, I don't want to say safe, but comfortable being out at the time, like how different could our story be? And also how many other people, uh, you know, are maybe experiencing the same thing. And she, she was running um, professionally for uh, the Hansons Brooks distance project at the time and ended up quitting and retiring because of kind of the inner turmoil that she was experiencing with not feeling like she could come out. So just knowing that we were one of probably many stories like that in the country and uh, that if we could at least be visible and kind of share our story and our experience that, um, we might be able to help other people avoid that from happening. And that was something, you know, we mentioned right before we started talking that that I really wanted to dive into discussing with you. Um, you you work in, you have your master's in um, uh, sport mental performance, performance psychology. Sport performance psychology. Awesome. Um, I worked in the mental health field for about eight years, never finished my master's though. So you by far have, have far more information than I do. But where, you know, we talk about identity and safety, how does that impact? Oh, it was, it was huge. My, my favorite story is to, to tell, like, I remember when I was really struggling, um, I, and I can't blame it all on the running community. I, I grew up in North Carolina in, in the conservative Southeast and was obviously very influenced by a lot of family beliefs and, and that kind of thing that I was working through. So I, I didn't come out until I was, I think, 26, so pretty late. Um, and before I did was really struggling with it. And it was impacting my running a lot. Like my coach knew something was going on and he would kind of say like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you need to, you need to get it figured out. And it was like, well, I don't really know how to just figure it out. Like it's pretty heavy thing. Um, so I, I had been out to, uh, some close friends and some close family members, but not necessarily like publicly or more authentically. And I, and in in the period of coming out more publicly and telling more people, I went from by far the worst track season I've ever run, like the slowest times I've ever run uh, to winning my first national championship on the trails in a matter of a few weeks. And so, um, you know, part of that was just finding a new sport that I loved and kind of connecting with that, but it would be hard to ignore. Um, I had never even done a trail race. And so it can't just be, you know, by chance that that happened. I think I had like kind of released a load that I'd been carrying um, that really allowed me to just like feel more authentic and then um, be able to, dig deeper. I think there's a concept uh, that's a Brene, Brene Brown concept that she talks about. You can't like se- selectively numb parts of yourself. And so by like really pushing this thing down, I was kind of pushing a lot of myself down and it was impacting my performance. It's almost impossible to perform at your highest level when um, you know, you're hiding a huge portion of yourself. And so that really resonated with me. And, and, and I, you know, literally saw the impact of it on my running career. So it doesn't have to be, 
your sexual identity, uh, for an athlete to struggle with a similar thing, it could be anything. But I think that across the board, so many people, you know, we're taught to kind of leave, leave it at the track, like, or, or before you come to the track, like leave your baggage at home, show up and get the work done. And it doesn't really matter what else is going on. And that's just not, it's not possible. And it's not healthy that that's kind of the message we're sending. And uh, yeah, it could be anything that someone's struggling with, but I see that all the time of, of athletes feeling like they have to always show up no matter what, no matter what else is going on, going on in their life. And, and they tend to also be pretty bad at asking for help. At least I was. No, absolutely. I think especially, you know, you're an incredible ultra runner. And I think ultra runners tend to be the ones who, who uh, hold it down the most because it's just, you, you tough it through, you, you grit your teeth, you bear through it. Um, and so I really appreciate you being vulnerable talking about that. That's, I think, a story that will be so impactful for more people to hear. And I'm sure you've shared it with many, many folks. Um, what, how could a coach or a teammate or a training partner create an environment that would be beneficial to somebody who might be struggling with identity? Um, I mean, part of it, you can usually tell with people. So I think part of it is even just like being willing to, instead of saying, I don't know what's going on with you, you need to figure it out, kind of like asking, you know, what's going on. Uh, something that I do in my work and, and when I was coaching, I coached high school for many years is uh, I share stories like the one I just told you to, to show that it is normal to struggle with things. And so anybody that's in kind of a power position that can normalize experiences, like that's something I also do in my sports psychology work. I know that, you know, in the mental health field, there's sometimes um, a tendency for people to maybe not want to share too much of themselves with clients, but I honestly stray a little bit away from that to just to say like, it's normal just to normalize the experience because the more that as soon as you open up to someone and share how you're struggling, then they're willing to, um, especially yeah, if you're in a coaching position or some kind of power position. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that sharing it's it, every practitioner is different in that area. And of course, you know, it's different mm. if you're working in crisis work versus if you're working with an athlete one-on-one -on -one and you're really building that relationship. So that's just incredible to hear. And I think good for all of us to remember, you know, because whether we're a coach, a teammate, a training partner, or we just have a coworker who we can tell that something's a little bit off, you know, it's good to know how you can be open and let them come to you. Um, and just as you said before, it's not always, you know, having to do with sexuality. It can be depression, any kind of mental health area. Um, I worked mm. in the eating disorder field for many years, and that's another area often tied with athleticism that uh, people tend to kind of feel like they have to hide. So that's that's really incredible to remember. Um, so kind of going back to OutRun, what was the initial goal and purpose of the organization? Um, I think initially just connection uh, in community. Um I'll say more about it when we get back to the project we're doing, but through this project that we've done, we did a massive survey and, and the word that came up over and over and over again was representation. And there's just, um, I think what I found in my experience and in a lot of the conversations we've had with people is the running community actually is like pretty inclusive and welcoming. Um, but if people don't see themselves in that community, they can be maybe afraid to enter it. And so there's like this gap that exists between, um, someone that's maybe nervous to make that jump. I mean, I was that way of like, I don't want to, I don't know any gay runners that are running professionally, so I don't want to be the first one to do it. Uh, so sorry, my dog's barking. Um, so it, it, initially it was just communication and connection, you know, even if it had to be throughout the country and not even just in some areas, but just having people to connect with that you can relate to. And then each of our kind of chapter leaders 
serve as a point person. In fact, I won't say where, but just connected someone who's just now, you know, kind of coming out with someone that we know and work with our organization in her city to, to just have someone to talk to, um, go for a run. And you just have those relationships in that community is, is super, super important. No, I can only imagine that it's, it's so beneficial to many athletes and there's probably so many that will be reached and be able to feel comfortable with either adjusting to a new city or coming out to, to a group of people. So you talked a little bit about inclusion and existing in the running community. Do you feel like there's areas Absolutely. for Absolutely. Oh, actually, one thing that I really have been trying to talk a lot about is there's a difference between discrimination and, and maybe not being actively inclusive. And, and that's where the discourse kind of gets hung up, I think, is that, you know, people's reaction to, in fact, I saw some, a conversation on Twitter today, there was a, um, I think the American Trail Running Association tweeted about Pride Month and how, you know, they were um, really pushing for more inclusivity in the running community. And someone was like, is it not inclusive? Um, and to me that when people get defensive, it's because they think there's discrimination or, or they think that we're implying that there's discrimination and hate. And that does exist in some places. But what we're talking about is not that like you can you can be super welcoming and kind, um, but there are physical barriers that are preventing, you know, some of uh, the queer community from, from running. And that's, you know, the non-binary community having to choose between male and female when they register or, um, you know, trans athletes uh, maybe running in a trail race that's in a state that is prohibiting, you know, high school athletes from doing that. They might not feel safe. And so it's not a, I don't think that it, we're suggesting that the main problem is hate and discrimination and like, we're not wanted. I don't think that's the case. Like I've never felt that way. And again, my, my experience is different. I'm not a trans athlete. Um, I'm not, you know, in some of the communities that are a little bit more marginalized, but the point that we're trying to make is there's some structural changes that could happen that just allow for, again, members of our community to compete in a way that feels like more authentic to them. I don't think that we're saying stop being so hateful. You know, I don't think that's what we're talking about. No, I think, and I think that can come up, it comes up with sexuality, it comes up with race, it's so many different things where, you know, we tend to see it as black and white as like, well, I'm, I don't hate that group of people. So that means I accept them. But there's so much of a gray and so much room for advocacy and understanding and, and growing as an individual, even if you don't identify with that group. So I so appreciate you kind of bringing light to that. Um, I'm so curious, though, I want to hear about this yeah, project. So we, um, we created a survey um, kind of directed explicitly at the LGBTQ plus running community. Um, we had a, a mixture of uh, close-ended and open-ended questions, kind of asking, what's your experience been like? Like, are you, you know, obviously demographic data, like how do you identify what region of the country are you in? What's your age group? And, the, and they do vary, um, you know, based on where people are and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, are you out? Are you, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel represented? Do you feel actively uh, included? Uh, and then again, a lot of open-ended questions where they could share their experiences. So we had over 400 responses, which I, I think is pretty good for, um, you know, a, a community that's not huge. Uh, so the feedback was really awesome. And, and what we're doing with that information, uh, we have a, a really awesome like data analyst that's been helping us is creating that information uh, alongside, we're kind of calling it like a, like consultants like Chris Mosier, who uh, runs transathlete.com, uh, Nikki Hiltz, who's an amazing um, athlete 
probably going to make the Olympic team if I, if I had to call it this summer, um, who, you know, has, has recently identified as, or or publicly identified as being non-binary, like their input as well, but what we'll do with their input, as well as this feedback, uh, from the survey, we're going to create like a resource for, for race directors and events so that they don't have to guess. You know, I think a lot of the time, again, like I, like I said before, people can say we're actively, we're, we're inclusive. Like we want you to come, but that's not the same as looking at your registration process, looking at, do you have, like, what's your, how are your bathrooms set up? Like, is it just men's and women's bathrooms? Um, what's your, your swag deal? Is it, you have to choose between a men's shirt and a women's shirt, like things that maybe they don't think about, because honestly, I didn't think about a lot until some of these uh, athletes uh, within the survey kind of brought it up. And, And that's my privilege to not have to think about that. And so I guess our goal is to remove lack of knowledge as an excuse. You know, if we're giving you a guide that's saying like, here's a best practices approach to how you can most, uh, how, how you could set up your event or race or running group or club or whatever to be the most actively intentionally inclusive, then, then it's just a choice of whether or not you want to implement those things, which is your choice. Like there is no judgment against that, but I think we're just trying to remove, um, I didn't know as an excuse. That is so incredible. And I think, you know, that you're right. I, all these things I've never thought about, um, especially in terms of non-binary or somebody who might um, identify as trans when it comes to racing. So along with that, what, what do you think your vision for either with the work that Outrun does or the, your vision for the future? Of um, racing I think it's just like? those things, you know, it's when I think about myself, um, and I, I actually recently did a panel with, um, they were athletes in different sports, but Olympians and skiing and mountain biking and Chris, who's uh, an incredible athlete himself, um, I don't think it's a stretch to say running saved my life, you know, and I think they felt similarly. Like there was just times when I felt so lost and like so bad about myself, uh, so confused, you know, again, growing up in a conservative environment, like a a big part of my life was kind of being homophobic of myself. Um, And running was always an outlet for me to feel good about myself, to feel positive, to have positive feedback, to have a community and have support. So that, and I think that's one of the reasons why many of us are reacting I think appropriately so strongly to some of these bills that are getting passed, you know, banning high school athletes, because if I didn't have that, I don't, I don't know what my coping, uh, like coping mechanism would have been. It probably wouldn't have been a healthy one. Um, So I think my vision is just to recognize that running's for everyone. And if we can't see that, and if we can't recognize that nobody should ever be denied like that opportunity to have that community and have that experience, then that's super unfortunate and, and, and more than unfortunate, like honestly could be dangerous in some ways. And so um, I just know how much of a positive role it's had in my life and would really hate for people to miss out on that. No, I, I completely agree. I think any, any endurance athlete can talk about how at some point, whether it was through div- divorce or their own teenage angst or whatever it is we dealt with that, you know, our sport saved us, um, which really kind of transitions into the next thing I wanted to ask about, which is what what safety concerns do you see with the LGBTQIA um, population, especially, you know, in the sport of running or as as things change? in our Yeah, climate? I mean, again, like I think the first thing I always want to acknowledge in, in any kind of conversation I have about this is, yes, I identify as, you know, a a gay woman, but I'm also white. I'm also cisgendered and and those are privileges. And, um, I can even acknowledge that some of the safety concerns I wasn't necessarily privy to, you know, like for example, um, Arkansas, I think was, yeah, passed a law where, 
uh, medical professionals can deny healthcare to trans, actually any, any gay, gay or trans people. But you know, what if someone's running in a race there and something like that would be a safety concern if they were running a marathon or something and knew that, uh, you know, whoever the medical staff is there, like could deny them medical treatment if they needed it, if they had like heat stroke on the course or something like that. And, uh, you know, again, thinking about some of the, the bills that are passing um, where athletes are getting banned. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's at the high school level. So if you were doing a recreational race, you might still legally be allowed to participate, but I would be very scared about that. You know, if, if the state itself had just uh, made a law preventing someone that like you identify with maybe at a younger age um, from participating, then that's something that is a safety concern. Um, so a, a lot of these things, it's not, uh, you know, like I said, Chris Mosier has been wonderful and kind of illuminating these issues to us because he does face those issues every day. And, you know, for him to, to acknowledge, you know, it's not enough to say we're inclusive. We want you here. You have to guarantee safety in some of these situations. And again, I think some people are just kind of missing those nuances and seeing it just as a matter of like acceptance um, when it's, it's not really that easy. I, yeah, no, it sounds like there's just so many levels to, to the safety aspect. Um, you know, of course we think of the individual and making sure that they like feel emotionally safe, but yeah, I could see how a high school athlete would be terrified to race if, you know, there's, there's that much perceived hate, which I mean, it kind of sounds like the story that they're definitely being told, um, wherever they're racing, which is so sad to hear that happening to a high school athlete of, of all people, you know, the children are who we're supposed to protect. Right. Uh, so, you know, what can, we talked about like coaches and teammates as a community, as a big global community, community, what can we do? Um, I mean, yeah, obviously there's, there's ways to kind of get involved in like your local um, issues. A lot of these bills that are getting passed, like people should be aware of them depending on where they live. Uh, but in terms of, I guess, the racing context, um, I guess just encouraging, you know, the more, the more people encouraging those changes and allies are important, you know, that's, that's super important. And so the more people that can, uh, recognize that they have influence, whether it's like a running store owner, again, race directors, just clubs, like anybody, um, start these changes. Like it's, a, it's, again, it's not enough to just say, uh, we, we're inclusive. We want you here. We welcome you. And, you know, structural changes. So it could even just be as simple as something that everybody could do is, you know, have, have their pronouns listed on their, you know, their social media, their email, anything like that, like anything that you're doing that kind of shows I'm willing to like take action. It's not just words. Like I'm willing to take action and it's small things. And so to me, that's something that uh, language and verbiage goes a long way. So even just recognizing how you're on maybe attend intentionally or unintentionally presenting yourself could either make someone feel not included or included. And so just more awareness over that. That's so good to know. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, we all need to hear is how we can be involved. If it's something that we're passionate about, it's, it's not out of our hands. You know, I think it's so easy when things are political to be like, well, I mm -hmm. hope the person I elected jumps in there, but it's, you know, it's amazing to have an organization like OutRun that can kind of tell us, you know, how we can be involved. Um, so for maybe an individual who is wanting to be connected with your group, you said you have a few different chapters throughout the country. Um, Where are they? Yeah, we have some, we, we're, we've currently kind of paused our ambassador program because we're figuring out how we, like I said, this is all developed so organically, you know, how do we actually want to develop this? But 
um, there's a, gosh, we probably have 10 or 12 people that have been really heavily involved um, with us from the beginning, ranging from a collegiate athletes up to um, recreational runners, up to elite runners, uh, just honestly kind of people in all different, um, I don't know, dimensions of running, but we have people uh, several in California, kind of in the like Irvine area, um, Washington, D.C., uh, Indianapolis, Illinois, Iowa. I'm trying to remember all of them now. Boston, um, obviously here in, in Denver. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure that I'm missing some, but those are kind of the, some of the key areas that we have people. And they're all on Instagram. Um, and anybody can just reach out to us directly through Instagram or through our website. And we can connect them with somebody uh, that could help with whatever, you know, whether it's just wanting to talk, whether it's wanting to get involved in what we're trying to do, like in their local area. Like we, we love that. We have people reaching out all the time. Great. That was going to be my next question is how people could, could connect with you or connect with your organization. Um, it sounds like you said Instagram or yes. through your website. Yep. Is Either the best. one. We check the Instagram, but also, uh, yeah, out, outrunning.org is our website. And there's um, a way to send an email through there, I believe or our emails listed on there, one or the other. But yeah, we have people reaching out all the time. So we, we love to hear from people regardless of what it's about. Um, I'll definitely make sure to link that in our show notes so people can also find that very easily. Uh, last question. So for an individual who might be, you know, struggling with their identity or struggling with finding acceptance, what advice would you give them? Um, you know, I, I, I am sensitive to the fact that this isn't always maybe easy or possible for everyone, depending, again, on what it is that, that they're struggling with, where they live, what their support network is like. You know, I, I wouldn't say my story wasn't the easiest coming out, but it, it was, you know, my family and friends were pretty supportive and everyone doesn't have that experience. So I, I say this with caution, but uh, it was the best thing I ever did. You know, I was so afraid that people would judge me and like not want to be my friend and not want to support me. But the reaction was almost the exact opposite. Like my friends were almost, um, my friends and family were, were almost like sad that I didn't trust them to support me and that I was kind of trying to go through this on my own. So, uh, people want to support you, whether, you know, again, it's not always, it might not always be your family and friends, unfortunately, but there is a community of us out there who like want to help. And so, uh, I, I hope that, people are willing to take the risk because once you get on the other side of it, it's, it's amazing to kind of feel how much better your output is, you know, just as a human, when you're being like a hundred percent authentic, like I wouldn't trade it for anything. That is so amazing. And, and I think something that any person of any age can, can listen to and grow from that. Yeah. Being authentic is, is where you're going to shine the most and be the best person. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I know you have Western States coming up, which I'm sure your training is is peaking right now. Um, but you're doing such an amazing thing for our world. We're so fortunate to have you in the running community. Yeah, Thank course. you so much Thanks for joining for us me. today. Hi, all. Welcome to Defining Endurance. This is Coach Lexi Miller, today's host. June is Pride Month, a time where we can celebrate and honor the LGBTQ plus community. To celebrate for this episode, we speak with Addie Bracey, a professional runner who's been on our show before. She's the co-founder of the organization OutRun, a community group that not only works to connect LGBTQ plus runners with a running group in their area, but also works at a higher level to advocate for inclusion in races. So recently in life, I have been working on acknowledging my privilege. I don't know what it's like to not be able to find a t-shirt that fits me right, 
because I don't identify as male or female. I don't know what it's like to not feel hated because of who I am and how I identify or to feel unsafe in the racing environment. In this episode, in this episode, Addie helps us understand the obstacles that many LGBTQ plus community members face in the running community and how we as runners can be more inclusive and understanding. 